Hello and welcome to Rivera Dojo. My name is Ken Rivera and I'm happy to be able to continue this session, or series rather, on self-care. And in this series, I started with an introduction to the topic essentially, uh, sharing from my own personal experience, what I believe sub ultimately supports my perspective around the pr current presentation or let's call it what it is, the marketing of self-care to us by mainstream and social media, right? In my mind, I've, it's a capitalist approach. It, it focuses on escape, getaway, temporary relief, you know, temporary pleasure, uh, leveraging external sources, and it's usually supporting the profit of others, which is great, which is great. Get yours. I never knock anyone's hustle. You know what I mean? I'm an entrepreneur myself, so I get it. But as a mindful practitioner, as someone who aspires to increase my states of awareness, increase my, my presence, right? Increase my ability to be present, present in every moment from day to day. The question that I asked myself, and I kind of framed, started to frame this in the second session where I, where I essentially started to underline that question, support that question with, all right, how do we go from a topical, right? If my perspective of self-care right now is a topical approach, how can I take a mindful approach, right? Because ultimately, we take in the information around us and we form our opinions from it, right? And we don't necessarily need to take information at face value. Ideally, we should take what's helpful to us, right? And leave what isn't. And that's discern. When you're able to discern the world around you, the information around you, you're able to navigate between what is helpful and harmful, what is useful and useless, right? So in my discernment of the information around me, I form questions. I ask, I usually ask myself, all right, what parts of this, how can this be helpful? Even if I don't agree with it, is there anything about it that's helpful? I never want to shoot the messenger. You know what I mean? I never want to form or subject myself or submit to unconscious bias or anything like that. And that comes with practice. And as we explore deeper what a mindful practice is, and, and we talk about observing with non-judgment. And I talked about this, I touched on this in the intro to mindfulness, the series that I put out a while back. And now what I'm doing is essentially taking this and applying it to life scenarios. So what we'll be doing in this platform is taking philosophies, right? Introducing philosophies that have been helpful to me in hopes that it might help one or more of you. One or more of you might find value in it and research or explore it more, share your feedback with me in the hopes that we all grow together, right? And then begin to apply that to areas of our lives. So I'll use examples, like the current example of self-care, right? And then apply mindfulness to it. So the question for me, and again, I started to frame this in the second session, is how can I, if my view of self-care as it's being marketed to me is a topical approach, how can I take a mindful approach to self-care? And for me, that begins with breath. 
It always begins with breath. Breath is that state of entering into awareness, right? And I often challenge and I'll continue to because it is, I, I truly believe it's hard and it's as valuable as it is challenging, right? To me. To acknowledge our breath for one minute. And by that I mean just acknowledge my inward and my outward breath for at least a minute. I rarely make it to 30 seconds unless I'm really dialed in. And that means I've scheduled uninterrupted time to dedicate to this. And that can be a, all right, I blocked out 30 minutes for breath work in the morning and I'm going to start to practice it. And then as I've shared in the past, I, I spend at least 20 minutes of that time chasing my toddler around, you know, my, to my mind as my mind's running all over the place, thinking about this, thinking about that, going into the past, going into the future. You know, going outside and looking at the house and my to-do list and constantly bringing it back to I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. I can feel the chair below me. It feels safe. I can feel the temperature in my room. It feels comforting. And if I have my eyes open and I'm looking outside, I, I can acknowledge the view, highlight what I enjoy about the view, and practice gratitude. If I have my eyes closed, I can turn my attention inward, right? And practice loving kindness. And by that, I mean just sharing love for myself. Wrap it with gratitude. Being thankful for the ability to pause and take a breath. Being thankful that my life isn't under so much persistent stress that I can't pause and practice breath. That practice of gratitude in and of itself changes my physiological state, right? So for me, self-care begins with breath. I apply a mindful approach to it. And which means I don't need to leave my house. I don't need to meet up with anyone. I don't need to buy anything. I don't need to do anything other than pause And acknowledge my breath, acknowledge my inward breath, acknowledge my outward breath. And that action in and of itself is a practice or part of a practice that builds my stamina as it relates to presence and awareness. And as I build my stamina as it relates to presence and awareness, then I build my capacity to be observant, fully observant, right? Because when you're aware, you know, I told you about the analogy from Thich Nhat Hanh about the pond, how the pond reflects its surroundings when it is calm, when the water is still, right? And that being an analogy of the mind, right? So when I'm in a state of awareness, my, my mind is calm. I can more vividly, more lucidly, more clearly reflect, observe, what's going on inside of me, what's going on around me. And if I, as I get a clearer picture of what's going on inside of me and what's going on around me, I can start to practice insight, right? And, that, and by that, I mean, when I say practice insight, I mean, I'm actively seeking insight. I'm discerning my environment. I'm discerning what's going on inside. And as we explore deeper into taking a mindful approach, right? We'll talk about 
body scanning. And it's, a, it's essentially an internal reflection or meditative practice where you're essentially acknowledging everything that's going on in your body from head to toe. You know, what's, and, and, I, and I say acknowledging, I use the term acknowledging because it doesn't project any emotion to it. You know what I mean? We're not assessing our environment, external, our internal state. We're not assessing it for the purpose of looking for issues or problems and highlighting them as issues or problems, right? Oh my God, my legs hurt. You know, because just that in itself, I can go and get caught up in that emotion and I'm now taken out of my awareness, right? I'm, I'm basically getting caught up in that emotion. I'm giving that emotion life. I'm identifying with it versus allowing it to pass. So practicing that acknowledgement, observation with non-judgment, right, requires awareness. Awareness is supported through breath work. So as I, again, it always comes back to the beginning, always. And it's repetitive. So you'll hear it a lot. Every session that I share, you're going to hear me talk about breath work because it starts there. It ends there. It requires it. It is the underlinement, you know, the foundation to growth as it relates to being mindful, being present, right? If we're present, if our mind is clear and we begin with our breath work and we're acknowledging our breath work and as we grow in our ability to focus on our breath, we increase our ability to be aware, we increase our ability to be present. As we increase our ability to be present, we give ourselves time and space to observe inside, to observe outside, right? When we observe in a manner that is not judgmental, right? We're just acknowledging what's going on. All right. I've got, I've got a, a pain in my shoulder. Okay. Keep it moving. How's my arm? How's my chest feel? How's my torso feel? How's my legs feel? My, do, I, do I have comfort? Do I have anything? And essentially, I'm just scanning. And the same thing with my external environment. If I have my eyes open and I'm looking around in a state of awareness, in a state of presence, I can observe everything within my space without reacting to it. And when I have that clearer picture, then I can start to assess, right? I can start to practice insight. What about this picture is helpful? What about this environment is helpful? What about this environment is harmful, right? And I talked about in the last session where we're able to start tagging, right? In different scenarios, different areas of our life, tagging situations that cause or spark a reaction. When we're fortunate enough to practice awareness and observe in that awareness what might have been a reaction or automatic or conditioned behavior. We found, we've, we were able to spot a trigger. Wow, that situation made me feel a certain way. And the minute I had that, the minute I was aware of that emotion, I practiced breathing, I paused, took a deep breath, exhaled, and redirected my energy. I took control of the situation instead of letting my subconscious mind drive for me. Right? I, didn't, I didn't fall into or dwell in essentially because we're dwelling in automatic behavior. I didn't dwell in automatic behavior. I was able to 
in that moment, make a clear and conscious decision about my next action. I took control of my behavior, right? So in that awareness, I was also able to identify that I say, why did I have to do this? What about this situation triggered that feeling in me, right? That's insight. That's the beginning of insight where we're able to start to learn more about ourselves has nothing to do with the environment, everything to do with ourselves. So we look at the external trigger and then identify the, you know, tag it along with the emotion that we felt. And then we start to explore that. But that requires, we go back to the beginning, right? That requires the ability to pause, acknowledge our breath, acknowledge our environment, practice, right? Acknowledging our environment because that's where we build up the muscle. You know, the muscle memory as it relates to being able to observe without judgment, to be accepting of whatever we're feeling in any moment and allowing it to pass. The same way we take a breath in and a breath out, we can experience anger and let it pass. We can experience joy and let it pass. There's no, it's not logical to dwell in any one emotion because your emotions are going to change as they're stimulated by, by the environment, as they're stimulated by your own reflection, you know, where your thoughts are going. And the more you allow them and not try to hold on to them, allow them to blow in and out just like a breeze, right? The more you're able to practice presence and truly be alive in the sense of you are fully aware of what's going on inside you, what's going on around you. You are fully aware, or increasingly, because it's a practice, increasingly aware of the impact of the environment on you. And in that increasing awareness, you're able to make decisions that will support positive impact, positive outputs, right? You'll be more invested in giving or showing the best parts of you. You'll be more invested in increasing, right? The best parts of you. You'll be able to identify those parts that can benefit from improvement and start to develop them. But it requires that you can look at it in a manner that's not judgmental. Oh, I see that. Interesting. I want to explore it. Right. Look at it from the lens, from a curious lens, like the lens of curiosity versus judgment or anger. Because then what you're doing is essentially you're, you're defeating the purpose, right? If I'm judgmental of any part of myself, I'm essentially, you know, I'm, I'm kind of making it worse. I'm not, I'm not being helpful. I'm coming down on myself. In a sense, if anything, I'm, I'm empowering the influence, right, that created that element of my personality in the first part. I'm perpetuating it. If I, if I realize that, I'm a, that it's hard for me to pursue things that interest me because my, you know, one of my parents as I was growing up you know, never let me do anything or anything that I did, they judged hard, they critiqued harshly. Oh, you're never going to be good at that. Oh, you suck at basketball. Oh, you suck at soccer. Don't even bother. Or they didn't, they didn't push me to pursue it. Like the influence, right? Because our parents 
are the 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 people in our lives as we're growing up from childhood and adolescence they are all influential depending on the amount of access that they have to us is going to essentially directly correlate to the amount of influence right a father a mother an uncle a teacher a you know a spiritual leader if you go to church uh, a friend an environment an environment the your consumption right the amount of information that's accessible to you the type of information that's accessible to you what you're watching what you're listening to all influential influences your personality if that if you know you want a perfect example of that go to the mall and look at how kids are dressed they're basically all emulating either an artist or some influencer they're influenced by someone and they're copying that state they're trying to be like them right that's the power of influence so some of those influences are good right they support the they support what we would consider in our adulthood the best parts of us and some of them aren't so good they support they would essentially support what we would consider the not so good parts of us right like a, a perfect example of that is a harsh inner critic a harsh inner critic is usually that you know it's when you really come down on yourself there's people that you know curse themselves out i know i have a harsh inner critic and it's influenced by you know the 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 adults the authority figures that were in my life when i was growing up and the way that they handled situations you know impatient strict all of those things contribute to that voice in your head and that voice in your head can either be harsh you know in its critique or a comforter depending on the influence right so direct correlation of that and the influences tied to your upbringing so you'll never be aware of that until you become until you practice presence and i'm not saying it requires it just basically you'll never be aware of it simply put until you're aware of it right until you pause and acknowledge like wow is this how i want to handle this situation is this helpful to me right if i if i shoot myself down like literally kick my own ass every time i make a mistake is that helpful to me is that going to motivate me to try harder or is it going to push me into a shell where i feel like i can't even address that anymore i, I don't even want to do that anymore because i'm no good at it you know what i'm saying am i defeating myself i need to be aware i need to be aware of that before i can ever even think about doing something about it and in that same manner that i treat myself you know like i always say i'm only as good to others as i am to myself in the same manner that i am harsh with myself that i condemn myself for my mistakes or my flaws my failures if i condemn myself for mistakes if i come down if i view mistakes that harshly right how can i possibly and authentically be helpful when i observe mistakes in others now i take that and apply it to my management profession my leadership style is directly impacted by the way that i treat myself my inner critic is a, is it a comforter a counselor 
or does it condemn? You know, whose voice? Who influenced it? Who am I giving energy to? Am I truly trying to be my best self? Am I trying to change who I am? Am I trying to improve? Or am I keeping it consistent with the influences that made me, you know, who I am? Am I practicing automatic behavior? Am I perpetuating that influence, that influencer, giving that influencer life through my own behavior, extending that, impacting others with that, right? Let's say your father or your mother was super strict with you. So now you're super strict with yourself and in your relationship, you're super strict because that's how you've been conditioned to react to that action, that behavior, right? When you become a parent, if you're not aware of it, you're going to be strict with your children. You're going to perpetuate that influence. If you become a manager, you're going to be super strict with your subordinates. You're going to perpetuate that influence. So self-care, you know, going back to self-care, when you take a mindful approach, self-care can lead to or be a pathway towards self-improvement. Right? Break it down to its simplest form. Caring about yourself. If you care, if you practice actively caring about yourself. And in mindfulness, there's the term love and kindness, loving kindness. And it's just that, loving yourself, being kind to yourself, giving yourself grace, accepting every action that comes out of you, accepting your behavior is what it is. It is something that happened so that you have a clear mind, a clear view of the next step. You're not dwelling on, why the hell did I do that? I can't believe I just, I was so stupid. How many moments am I wasting? You know what I mean? Beating myself up over something that I just did. You know, if I care about myself, if I truly want to practice self-care, for me, I begin with that awareness. I'm going to pause, return to my breath, and start again. I don't even have to address it. It's not to say I dismiss it, but I don't even have to address it in that moment. I can certainly tag in and say, you know what, that's an area I'd like to explore. I want to, I want to start doing that better. I want to start doing that better. I've literally, within my role as a parent, started to preface engagement with my children with a question. I've challenged myself to do that. And I'll ask them, you know, how can I do this better? Like what, you know, what's, I, I'm seeing something that's happening here and I want to know the best way to handle it. How do you think? Like even pushing the challenge to them to, so that they can be aware of the behavior, right? I acknowledge in that engagement, I'm having a reaction to what I saw. Your behavior triggered a reaction to me, but I'm, I want to think about how I handle this. What just, what just happened? Like literally explore what just happened so that they can now become aware of their behavior, right? And work with me towards a solution versus me, what I would normally do, right? Perpetuate my influence, project the same strict hardliner that I grew up around, you know what I mean? And granted, it's kept me out of a lot of trouble. But at the same 
point, there were times in my life in my rebelliousness to that strictness that I could have gotten a lot of trouble. You know, I wasn't always doing things that were helpful. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, that's another story. But it's the practice, right? It's the practice of self-care from my approach, the mindful approach. My mindful approach to self-care helps me better care for those around me, the people that I truly care about. If I care about myself, I'm going to want to be better. I'm going to want the best for myself. If I care about others, I'm going to want the best for them. And in my emotional maturity, and I've got a series that I'm going to be sharing around emotional maturity, emotional intelligence, as it's widely called or referred to. In my emotional maturity, in my mindful practice, I am increasingly able to acknowledge emotions, feel that anger, but not act on it. So my son, my daughters, they can do something that will consistently make me angry. But my behavior has changed or is increasingly changing. I, I strive for consistent or continuous improvement. So it's consistently changing. Do I always nail it? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> and, and usually, I, you know, if I catch it late, if I fell into that automatic behavior and my conditioned response, you know, I yelled or it's like, did you really just do that? You know, that, that my harsh inner critic projected, you know, onto their psyche, right? Onto their psyche. In that moment, I was a negative influence. I was actually nurturing. If we take the, you know, the, that approach to it, right? Nurturing a harsh inner critic within them. So perpetuating that influence and making it generational. And the minute I acknowledge that, I stop and I apologize. I'm so sorry. That's not what I want to do. That's not how I want to handle this. I'm not always going to nail it. And that's where, again, when we think about the loving kindness, practicing grace, I'm not going to be hard on myself in that moment, right? If I just caught myself falling into my harsh inner critic, allowing that harsh inner critic, that influence to reign in that moment, I'm not going to address it with the same influence. That's not helpful. So in practicing grace, I can extend grace, right? The act of apologizing to myself when I catch the behavior and then projecting that sincere apology to the subject, whether it's my son, my daughters, my wife, a subordinate, a coworker, a client, anyone. In that moment, I've changed not just my behavior, not just my response, I've changed myself. I've experienced a momentary state of improvement that's more aligned with who I aspire to be. So the mindful approach to self-care establishes a foundation that you can start to build on because I'm not trying to escape from momentary joy or pleasure or distraction, right? I'm not seeking out, actively seeking out distractions from my situation that I ultimately have to return to. I'm not trying to get away from anyone in my life. Practicing self-care is engaging them in a manner that is more aware, being more present with them so that I can be more aware of more accepting 
of, I can acknowledge and observe without judgment, every encounter, every scenario, every situation that comes out of that environment, comes out of that relationship. Take it back to my lab. And by that, I mean, you know, take it into my moments of internal reflection, meditate on it. There's times where I'll experience something that normally I'll be a shit show. My harsh critic jumps all over it to the point where my wife shuts down. Like, you know what? We're not doing this because I come out full blown. The face changes real crunchy. My voice changes. It's quasi condescending. It's not a nice look for me. You know, if, if we had the ability to, to have a mirror pop up or, or basically sit in front of a mirror and go through all of the cycles of ourselves, you'll see real quick what you like and don't like. If you're doing it in a, in a state of awareness, right? If you're observing, you'll see real quick, hey, you know what? Mm, I don't like that face. I can only imagine what she feels or he feels when they see that face. The energy coming out. That's not me. Or at least that's not who I want to be. That's an influence. That's an influence. That's something that I picked up, either because I didn't have any other information to challenge that with, right? That was the only information available as it related to that situation. And I tagged it, it became a part of me, it became my conditioned response, or it was so consistent in my life that to me, again, in the absence of information to the contrary or alternative views, that was the view. That was the view. Think about the eight-year-old racist. You know what I'm saying? An eight-year-old white supremacist is not a white, is not a, that's not their internal position. That's the conditioned position. That's the only information available to them. So when I think about that, when I catch those scenarios, when I'm able to observe with non-judgment, I can tag those situations and meditate on them. So in that situation where I realize, whoa, I don't like the way I handled that. You know, I, I extend my internal grace, project that grace, apologize to myself, apologize to the subject, tag that for reflection. Or if there's something, you know, if, I, if I'm fortunate enough to identify the trigger, what triggered the behavior, if something that my wife said, something that my son did, you know, and, and not react to it, respond to it, to say, wow, that made me feel something. I'm going to have to explore that and then have the conversation that's going to be helpful with them about it. I take that back to the lab. I meditate on it, internal reflection. If you're a praying person, you pray about it. Ask God for insight. Me, I like to, I like to ask. I like to seek insight internally. I believe God already empowered me with that. You know what I'm saying? And if it exceeds my understanding, or my prayer might be, you know, w shed light on whatever is outside of my understanding. I like to say, I like to use the term divine insight. Please provide divine insight. Bless me with divine insight so that I might be able to discern or identify or benefit from right guidance. Make a better decision going forward. I want to be better in this area. Or I want to I identify the root cause that reaction, that effect, that I continue to project whenever it's triggered. And that's the mindful approach from my perspective to self-care. So we'll continue to apply this. And in uh, my next session, I'll kind of summarize it. And 
start to cue up the, uh, the next topic that I want to dive into, and that's emotional intelligence. That's going to be several sessions breaking down the uh, fundamentals to emotional intelligence, and I look forward to sharing that. As always, I welcome your feedback. If there's a question or concern, please feel free to share it. We keep everything positive. Let's grow together. Take care, all.